Hello everyone, I'm Joseph Roberson and this is King Talk. We welcome you to our unapologetic and transparent discussion on any and all issues related to youth sports. If there's something you'd like to hear discussed, feel free to drop us a line, shoot us a DM, let us know on IG at King Talk Podcast. That's King Talk Podcast, one word on IG. You can also find us on Facebook at King Talk Podcast and on iHeartRadio as well as Spotify. B. Tanner, if anybody see B. Tanner, he MIA. B, I'm putting you on some milk cartons, my brother, because I can't find you. Now, that being said, I'm pretty sure you're still on the circuit with the uh, travel ball, working with these young men with the uh, post-grad school. So I hope everything's working well, man. Shoot us a message, let us know, so we can get you, like, uh, what, whatever they call it, from remote location or something. But holla at us, man. If not, I'm sending these milk cartons out. And I ain't just, as a matter of fact, you keep playing around, I'm going to put you on the whole milk carton, too. I ain't even going to put you on the 2%. And I might put you on some almond milk, homeboy, and some rice milk. Holla at your boy, Young Joe. All right, everybody, I got I got people in the studio with me because I know y'all got tired of hearing me talk. So, you know, I have I have back to visit with us, Gerald Bowman. Jibo, what's up, man? What's up? What's, what's up? up? What's up? What's up? I have Javaris McConnor. What's up? What's up? What's up? I have James Sims. I'm an old man. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> we gotta go. They can say what's up. Yeah, we gotta go. Go what's yeah, yeah. I think he abbreviated. I don't even know if he gave us the what's up or just sup. <laughs> yeah, you feel up. me? Hey, and I got my man Edwin Petrosi who was trying to remain anonymous, but e you in the room, so you gotta say hello to the people. What's crack lagging? Okay. Oh, oh, he went to the. Yes, he 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 messed with Lincolns and Cadillacs, y'all. So it's what's crack lagging. Hey, he about to hit us with that old. Uh, when um what's my man just me and you your mama and your cousin too <laughs> pulling up on vote right slamming cadillac doves we'll talk about that later okay anyway before they say that they tripping already and just so y'all know i've only been sipping water and tea that's it i'm just like this even in the grocery store okay so we was talking about um you know coach Sims just asked me what we we're discussing today and i was explaining to javaris and uh gerald yesterday that um, a lot of times, you know, both with students I work with, with young people in athletics, with parents, and on this podcast, I've discussed um, people, the, all the benefits of sports beyond the little cross-section that a lot of people really focus on, you know? So some people, um, you know, have realistic expectations of what they're getting out of this. Some people may be unrealistic. But usually so many people's goals relate to performance goals. Like, you know, I want uh, to be averaging this many points. I want this many goals. Um, I want to be ranked this. I want this outcome. And I always keep telling people not to lose sight of all the practical things we learn from sports. But then sometimes I realize you can say it and it sounds good, but you have to base, you know, break things down to its... Uh, what they tell you in math is the least common de denominator, least common right? Denominator, yeah. So that being said, I was asking him <coughs> to give thought to, hey, if you were sharing with someone from a very pragmatic standpoint, these are the lessons I learned in sports. What would it be? And I wanted them to, and I was like, think of incidents where you could give me real recollection on what it was. And, and because I think participation in and athletics and for me collegiate sports I didn't get to pay, play athletics as a youth in an organized setting but collegiate sports it really taught me some lessons that have helped me focus in life and I feel aspire to live a life beyond what I could have expected before even as someone who you know there was no chance I was going to play as a professional athlete that was never really a realistic outcome for me 
but the life I've built through athletics has been so meaningful. And some of the lessons I've learned has been adversity. Um, I tore my MCL a month before my first season. And I played that season with my MCL tear. And then I had surgery after the season. So I had to learn a level of focus on my body maintenance and mental toughness because the day after my game, Sunday was an excruciating day for me. It was a very lonely day. I felt very isolated because I'd be on crutches Sunday through Friday. I'd go to practice. I'd show up at practice. I'd get taped up. I'd practice. I'd go full contact. But to get around on a daily basis, I had to walk around on crutches because I was in that type of pain. Uh, Sunday, I found it very difficult to get out of bed. So I was dealing with some um, levels of feeling isolated, alone. Um, There were days I'd be in bed in tears. You feel me? But, man, the mental toughness for me to keep going, like nowadays I may go through adversity or struggle in life, but to me it's almost laughable in perspective, you know, to what I experience. So, you know, we're all going to go through difficulty in life, but I learned some very pragmatic things. Like I learned how to deal with the physical pain I was going through and, you know, the psychological implications of such. And that put me in a position where, man, studying for a test, come on, man, the level of discipline and, and mental strength it took to sit down and be disciplined enough to study for two hours or three hours to get an A on the test. Oh, man, I ain't tripping. I've already been through some things which really prepared me. You know, so even reflecting on that, I just wanted to know, like, what have other people experienced that they were willing to share that really would relate, where people could really understand, stop always being focused on your kid didn't get enough touches. Mm-hmm. You know, like, why are you, because your kid, if you watch this in basketball, for instance, don't tell me you ain't get enough touches. Go get the ball. Go get the rebound. You could never tell me I ain't get enough touches because at the end of the day, I'm about to get the rebound. So the ball's going to have to go through my hands anyway. You know what I'm saying? So, or even this, my son is playing high school ball right now, and I've had people approach me. He's playing JV, and I've had people approach me and tell me, like, well, you know, um, I think he's better than the kid who's playing varsity and, or, or, and, and better than the kid starting in front of him. But one of the things I see is this. First of all, the kids starting in front of them, again, they're playing JV. My son's a sophomore. And this is his first time ever playing football. The kid's a junior. He's been on the team three years. He a hard worker. He should be starting. He invested three years of his life. He's a junior and playing JV. That that already has to be difficult. You feel me? Mm -hmm. Also, some people, you ain't really been out there, so you don't know the long-term implications of this sport on your body. I'll be looking at my son like, man, you don't even want all the reps, homeboy. Relax and chill. And I think he's going to have a different perspective in life because now he knows not to sit there in emotional distress and disappointment. And when he gets in the game, he gets it. He gets it. Because he know I ain't got to be out here the whole time. I'm not going to be out here the whole time. So, again, it's just the lessons I see being learned that I think some people don't get. So some people, many people, if not most people, are wasting their time in athletics because they're not walking away with the meaningful lessons that are, are going to set a tone for the rest of their life, you know? Now, I'm certain, uh, gee, again, you you being at USC, one of the stories I was recounting for Coach Sims before you came in well, or before we started recording was just you being a... And forgive me if I get it wrong, my brother, because I know things matter to people, right? You were a four- or five-star recruit. What was it? Okay, five star. Okay, look, like, it gave me that look too. Yeah, like, what well, five? Five, oh right. boy, don't even say that. Five and four don't even sound alike, right? <laughs> but that being said, 
So, oh my goodness, when you were here at Community College with us, you was a stud, man. Everybody want to interview, everybody want to talk to you, everybody want to touch you, everybody want to be next to you. And then all of a sudden you get to a school like USC where I remember you came back telling me like, Mr. Rogue, everybody over there is a four or five star athlete. Everybody. You know? So, I mean, you had to learn some lessons from that in terms of life, even if it's only humility, you know? What was that like for you? Uh, I mean, for one, it was different because when you come from a, like, your athletic background has been, like, the guy all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, on the team, you're the top guy on the team from high school all the way up to junior college. And then, you know, you get to a place like USC where it is, like, loaded talent, it was a challenge for me because, like I said, I was just used to always being a guy, you know what right. I mean? And, you know, I was always used to, after a couple practices, even, even if even if I was going into a situation and I wasn't necessarily the guy from the beginning, right. like I eventually became the guy. I'm going to be the guy yeah, at some so point, right. Whether it's after the first or second practice or, you know, however it may unfold, um, it didn't work like that when I first got there. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm like, that's, you know, I just was telling you a story. Like, when I put the pads on, I was like, all right, come on. Like, we about to get it, we about right. to get it popping now. You know what I mean? And even in that, it still took me a while because it's more politics. You know what I mean? It's a lot of politics that, that goes into it. Um, people are working extremely hard and that's one thing I realized like no just because you're good like you still have to work super hard like right. some of the guys that went on to be first round draft picks that I played with like the best guys on the team was right. the hardest workers by like a landslide you know what I mean like by by a landslide so and for me you know I was always the person that I had natural God-given talent and I always kind of relied on that. So I would work out. I would do things that I needed to do. But I probably didn't go, like, the extra mile like okay. I, some people did. But then oh, I appreciate there, you sharing real yeah, life, you know? Yeah, but yeah. once I got there, you know, I had to, I had to step it up. But, yeah, it was different, though, man. Definitely different. What you got for me? Look, I, you know what I got? Look, I, I wasn't a five-star because we didn't have stars back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you, was a twinkle, you, twinkle. You, you, was, <laughs> you, you, you was a color. You know, yeah. I was so I was a blue chip at okay, that time. It okay, was just you okay. were a blue chip player. Right. And uh, I, a lot of what Gerald is saying was a, a reality for me also because my, my final five, uh, Notre Dame, Kentucky, Tennessee, the Air Force Academy, and Toledo. My mindset was Toledo was close to home. Right. They had just won the MAC Conference Championship. They had uh, beat Randall Cunningham in them. Okay. Oh, wow. They okay. had the nice rings. I was like, I'm going to go to this school that's close, and I'm going to go in here and play right away. And, right. and we had the Miami Hurricanes coming up with Irvin and all them on okay. the schedule. And so I was this blue-chip guy that's getting ready to come here and change this program. Uh, the thing that I learned was what I call now immediate value, and that – you, we're talking about lessons you learn in life from this. Right. And what I mean by immediate value is we get so caught up with, like Bo said, I'm a five-star. I'm the man. We don't really face the reality that and when it's all said and done, you're really never the man. And, and what I mean by that is if you're the man and you go down, you tear ACL and you're no longer there. Yeah. Guess what? Next man up. Next man up. Right. So you, you're only the 
your immediate value. Right. And so that went on to life lessons about whether it's going into a job, yeah. whether it's being a father. Right now, I have, I have two sons. I'm their father. I'm their go-to person. I'm the man. They depend on me. But there's going to come a day, the circle of life, I'm gone. Yeah. And they have to learn to move on. And I'm no longer going to be the man in right. their life. So I, I look at everything at that perspective now that no matter what I'm doing, I'm only as important at that time because yeah. it, time waits for nobody, right? Yeah. So you're only going to be a blue chip for so long. You're only going to be a five star for so long. So you have to learn to go through life and appreciate the time that you have right, right. And, and realize in that moment. And when I mean the time, Gerald Bowman's in a game at USC. He's the five star. He's the stud on the team and he goes down. All that's done. Now next man up and you got to watch it from the sideline. So Every play has to be appreciated that I'm the five-star now. Right. I'm the superstar right now. Here's my opportunity because it could be taken the very next play, yeah. the, the very next down. So, and, and so I'm learning that in life with everything. Like this job here, I got a pretty great job. I right. love my job. But I realize a couple things. One, this job was here before I got here. This job will be here after mm -hmm. I leave. Right, right. So the job is more the blue chip or the five-star than I am because it's a great job that people want and they can get it. Same thing with that, that position at USC, that safety or that strong safety position, that was the five star. Right. You were just filling it until next hey, man up. That's real life. Exactly. Hey, that's real life. Hey, you know, that took me back to the first time I ever left a job involuntarily. Y'all <laughs> can figure out what that means, right? And, and I just felt like I was such an asset at that job. I was like, yeah, watch them suffer without me. Mm -hmm. right? After a couple of years and they, that company's still there, you'd be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, really hey, look, I was a star there, though. I was the man there up until I wasn't anymore. Exactly. And again, that was a real humbling situation, but mm -hmm. a lot of people don't get that. As it relates to transitioning into work environments, too, I thought the other thing that meant so much is when you in sports, you, I just specifically remember playing linebacker and D-end. Every year I played, there was another person who showed up who, I mean, they're, they're treating you with love. You the man. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden someone else shows up and he's like, oh, my goodness, he's the man. And mm -hmm. then my feelings would be hurt like, hey, I'm the man. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Especially before we put pads on. Before we put pads on, I was kind of a quiet player. So I didn't do much talking on the field. I'm just trying to get to the play. I've always had this philosophy of I'm going to understate myself and over deliver. Mm -hmm. I'm going to under promise and over deliver. So that way I never have high sign and, and too much on what I'm going to do. So that way anything I do is respected, right? So in spring ball without pads, I wasn't to do running, running to a touch tackle going like, woo. Yeah, but someone else <laughs> yeah. was. So watch this. Multiple times when I was playing, I got moved to second string. Where they would move me and be like, because of this person who's making all this noise, right? Mm -hmm. And then every time we put them pads on, I get my spot back. And that taught me something about, like, getting through adversity, though. Mm -hmm. Like, and in, in being okay with the fact that at all moments I'm not going to be acknowledged or valued. But I'm an emotional male. And as a man, we're not really taught to identify with emotion in terms of being hurt. But that's what I was experiencing. My feelings is hurt, man. How come y'all keep acting like you love me, but yeah. when a new dude show up, you that? I felt like in a relationship. Like, man, why you keep breaking up with me? But then when this dude don't work out, you willing to come back to me and tell me how you always knew it was going to be me. Exactly. And you love. So anyway, it's so crazy because those are just things when, again, 
that was difficult situations to go through in football because that's there's some level of humiliation to that. Mm-hmm. That like, dang, I didn't lost my spot to this. Uh, especially you in community college, and there's the uh, the kickback from a university. So for me, you know, then even at the university, I was playing at uh, CSUN. So then all of a sudden we have someone from a bigger university come back like, hey, it's a kickback coming from Arizona State and you might lose. Right. It's one coming from Fresno State. It's one. Right. Like, stop, homeboy. What is this to scare me? So anyway, and then once they get there, rather than take an adversarial approach, no, this person playing the same position as me. So we have to motivate each other, stick by each other, even though technically you come in to take my spot. Mm-hmm. And this is janky. So anyway, I just think that prepared me for life where I don't really feel even from a work standpoint. There's so e- even for me and you as two brothers in the athletic departments, when you came to the school, my brother, I welcomed you with open arms and yes, let you know, you hey, there's anything I can do for you, anything. I, and that that's something I can be proud of in myself. Mm-hmm. Rather than see you and take a tone of feeling threatened because, hey, look, yeah, I'm going to say it on air like, look, oh, shoot, another token Negro. I'm not as important as I, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that means something to me. But what helped prepare me that for that, uh, again, was my participation in athletics and having to work closely with someone, even though technically they're competing for the same opportunity you are, you know? Hey, um, just like jump rope player, you just got to hop in. <laughs> Javaris be sitting there waiting like you know they just like it's like double dutch real quick too I'm sorry to go off on this tangent but I gotta give you my double dutch story right uh, this real life though this real life and then you gotta hop in though so my daughter was at a school a preschool where it wasn't a lot of representation from our community so they had these big activities planned one day for this day so they was like oh, what are the things we can do and they said oh we should have jump rope and then people looked at me just like we should have double dutch right so they was like uh, Joseph and me I grew up with five sisters I I was nice with the jump rope. I was like, oh, yeah, no, I got this. I can show y'all. Man, the day came when we pulled out the ropes inside my brother. That rope might have socked me in the head 12 times. I never <laughs> made it in, homeboy. Hey, look, I felt like I had lost my relationship with my community. <laughs> <laughs> So I you felt like you should have brought the auntie or something. Come on. <laughs> I felt like I represented poorly. And they was waiting, too. They was holding their breath like, here, here, he's about whop. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, so anyway, that was, I don't even know why that was important. But since I used the jump rope metaphor, my brother, talk to me. No, but uh, I feel like, honestly, what, what what I got from from sports period football, how it helped me, was was me taking care of my body, like, okay. far as a. Uh, Health, health wise, like what to eat, and um, far as like sleep and getting the proper sleep, cause I mean, when I was in JUCO, that was that was like real tough for me because it was like man, how I'm how I'm gonna eat, how I'm how I'm, and then I was taking like eighteen eighteen hours, so I was like man, what why am I gonna get my sleep like, practice and then this heat was so different for me like California right. like that heat was crazy so. I just was like honestly I would spend time like trying to figure out what I should be putting in my body, you know what I'm saying? Like and I spent a lot of time like doing a lot of like stretching on my own, like lifting on my own because at the time, this when you wasn't here. <laughs> we we was doing we was doing heavy lifting and and it was and it was tearing my body up like right. as a defensive back like you got to have your quads and hamstrings on point. Right. And, and and my back was so tight. So I was like, man, what what can I do? Like, and it was crazy because I was I was like the third strongest person on the team at the time. So I was like, man, like you obviously know I'm strong. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'm right. strong. So like, can we can you help me like like work on other physical tools as far as 
keeping me right. steady throughout the season, you know? Mm-hmm. Because if you can't play, like, you're, you're injury prone. And then school right. started to see it. Like, right. they coming up here visiting me like, oh, man, why you not playing? You know what I'm saying? So I was like, yeah. I can't have that. So I had to really learn on my own, like, how how can I, you know what I'm saying, withstand from being injured and, like, what, what, what I got to put in my body to keep me from being injured, too, because it's all about what you put in. Like, mm-hmm. I had to stop eating, like, Popeyes and Carl's Jr. because it was making me sluggish. Right. And I was like, man, like, I got schools coming out here filming me. Man, I can't, I can't be performing like this. Like, right. this is the prime time of my life, you know what I'm saying? So, so I, I really took, I really took like another level as far as like, you know what I'm saying? Me, work focusing on me and like trying to learn my body too. Because a lot of people, they was taking all supplements, they was eating all crazy, and I was like, man, I don't know how you do it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I kept at least a jug of water on me at all times, like. And then I would, you know, pack little sandwiches here, and I did whatever I needed to do to be able to perform at that level. Because at at the time when it, when you in JUCO, it's like you only get one shot. When a coach come, when he come through, see all the schools, you want to make sure you the top guy he's seen, you know. So and right. I and I took that very serious because it was like an interview for me, you know. Like and then I also worked on my my speech impediment, you know. I had to make sure like when when they came to talk to me. It, they they knew they were talking to a a, a nice you know what I'm saying well educated individual right because that I, I feel like that takes a long way as well like you got to fit the part because now we're we're not we're not more so players anymore we're humans like they they look at how you dress they look at you know what I'm saying how you talk and like how you conduct yourself so you know like like I took I took all the other aspects um just as serious as I did on the field and and I felt like that really helped me. Like, football, it taught me, like, look, man, you just can't be a football player. Right. And and I think uh, <coughs> some some people, they, they get caught up in, I just want to play ball, I just want to play ball. And then that's when you start to realize, like, oh, I'm not eating right. I done lost 10 pounds. Or, oh, man, I ain't even go to class tonight. And I, I got to see, you know. And then next thing you know, like, you yeah. fall to the waistline. So I, I think that definitely helped me, which was just – Figuring out myself, like learning more about myself. Hey, that's a new one. I'm using that from now on. He ain't say you fall to the wayside. He said you fall <laughs> to the waistline. Hey, look, you, hey, look, you only up to my waistline. <laughs> Stop talking to me until you get past my waistline. Hey, you said, um, how did that affect you on a psychological level? Because I don't think I've ever known that you had a speech impediment. So yeah, I don't know if you already had because, that result. No, no, because I like you. just me being from the south. Like a lot of people, they they think Southerners are a country or got right. the accent or they right. don't know anything. So I took that serious. Like I was like, man, I'm not gonna be that guy. Like they come and talk to me like, oh, you're from you're from North Carolina, you know? Right, right, like right, no, I'm from right, North Carolina. Right, like right. I I just took it just as serious. I respect my competence. Yeah. what you're saying is so real because where I'm from in upstate New York, there was a stigma, and I remember from being a kid where they used to have a negative. Um, to me, attitude and perspective of brothers from the South. Like, oh, man, they some country. Yeah. But this is what I learned to the point where it made me feel that way, right? And then also about people from California. When I was leaving and I told people I was moving out here, they was like, man, don't go out here. They was like, man, they be tripping, man. They be on skateboards shooting each other <laughs> over colors, right? They said they still got jerry curls, Joe. And I used to be like, man, so at the same time, it's our community. But one of the things I learned, especially about our community, is this. <laughs> What we all have in common, no matter where you go, is to struggle. Yeah. And when you're dealing with any group of people who struggling, no matter what culture, what race, what religion, what you better respect them. 
Mm-hmm. And that's a lesson I learned about life and, th- you know, through sports as well is respect, respect. Hey, real quick, too. Um, I just know and I don't think listeners would know because I don't think you shared that the last time you came on is that you ran for student government. Yes. So at some point it became very meaningful, uh, your ability to present yourself and to articulate because you have to get up there in front of your the student body and yeah. sell them on the idea that I'm the one you should pick to represent your leader. And no matter how much we don't discriminate. The reality is, my brother, come on, being a brother from the <laughs> yeah. South, if you can't articulate, people will be like, he is not, <laughs> right? And that, and that was one of, and that was one of like, the strong points. Like I, I pointed it out, you know, because when when I was running, I was starting to hear like, oh, he he a football player, he 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 just he don't know nothing, he's just a sports jockey. So so I brought it to to the to the table. Like when I was when I was having uh, speech debates with the other candidates, I was bringing that up front so they couldn't point it on me. Right. So so that like like with that being said, I feel like you just you got to be ready because when when you running for anything, people gonna point out, yeah. you know what I'm saying the the dislikes, you know, and the negative stuff. So you got to be ready to to handle that heat, and you got to be ready to an- answer it. Because if you don't, it just looks poor on you. Right. Because it's like, oh man, you you should have knew this was coming. Like. Right. So, I just had to learn like, like a bunch of my friends were telling me like, look man, like. She probably gonna point this out. She probably gonna point that out. He probably gonna point this out. So you gotta be ready to answer right. whatever. Right. So you know what I'm saying? When when students in 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 the crowd was like, Mr. McConnell, since you're a football player, what what you bring other than just right. uh the athletic side? And I said, well, I bring a, a cultural standpoint because not only am I the first football player ever to be running, is uh I I want to teach other athletes in general that you can do this. You don't have to be scared of uh. This certain stigma of right. you that being you're a, just an athlete. Yeah, that like you're mm-hmm. just an athlete. And I, oh, go ahead. And oh. I, and I feel like that that was that was just as important because a lot of people was like, "Yo, man, I can't believe you're doing this." Like, so I just touched a whole another demographic. Right. Like, I had the students and I had the athletics, right. and then you know, of course, athletics that brings all the athletics. Right. All the, the so yeah. So so mm-hmm. I'm dealing with you know football, basketball, soccer, track. Hey, but what it also brings is this. So you did that for you on a personal level, but I'm going to share, even if you haven't drawn the association, how that relates to our existence further than that. Because even if it's not about race, let's say it has nothing to do with race, right? We still live in a world where if you begin to stand up and share your opinion on societal issues, it becomes shut up and bounce the ball. Mm -hmm. Shut up and catch the ball because the stigma is that because you're an athlete we don't we don't pay you to think mm-hmm. you feel me you entertain us because we <clears throat> at the end of the day athletics is a form of entertainment in one sense even though there are those of us who pursue it i did it as a means of getting my education but so the reality is whether you realize it or not you were undermining a stigma which is a positive thing because there's people who can walk away like no i'm already aware of athletes i've been around who have a very thoughtful, you know, um, conscientious, what word am I looking for? I don't know. I'm, I'm lost already. They have thoughts, meaningful mm-hmm. thoughts about how things should take place in society and they are to be heard versus you just got to be quiet. You giving me that look like I need to be quiet. No, you good. No, okay, no, okay, no okay, I was, right. I was just focused because this, this is for youth sports, right? Right, right. And one of the, I try to leave something with them each time I talk to you. Right. And to get the coaches 
and, and some, you know, like Bo uh, was coaching uh, last year, and I was always trying to give him a little bit to take out there to, yeah. to be different. And Matter of fact, we got to touch on that when you're done because he was tripping. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> to to challenge, challenge these coaches, in, in my 21 years of coaching, I challenged myself to do things different. Like, you know, when I was young, all the coaches believed in having them do hurdle strides. Well, hurdle strides is not a proper stretch anymore, you know, because you're torquing the knee. Uh, just something I always think about, and I know Bo and them, you're so used to hearing something. If you're a defensive coach, I know all y'all done heard, I want 11 hats to the ball. I want 11 men to the ball. Is that really what you want? No, you don't. That's, that's why reverses are successful. Yeah. That's why uh, halfback passes are successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you told 11 men to go to the yeah, ball. Yeah. You don't want 11 men yeah. to the ball. You that want 11 double, men to that, their assignments. That double pass, get them down there every time. It, it, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's what I'm saying. And this, is, this goes for life, too. Be willing to interpret things and change them. Don't fall into what they were. So, no, I don't want 11 men to the ball. I want 11 men to their assignment. If your assignment is to kick back and stay on top of everything, yeah. that's where I want you. Real I don't right. want you running in the backfield because yeah. that's where the ball is at. Because, right. you know, the ball is quicker than I. Yeah. So, in life, and I just use that example, the 11 men to the ball, but <laughs> there's so many things in sports. I don't care what sport we're talking about where we've been pounded and taught and taught that this is how it's supposed to be, and we have to be willing to challenge that. Because it's not necessarily true. Um, we just, we're saying it because that's what they've always said. Right. You know, right. we always say, well, you know, this is the way we've always done it. Well, maybe that's yeah. why we keep getting the same results. Hey, not only is, maybe that's why that is why. Mm-hmm. Right. If you, what do they say? If you only do what you've always done, you only get what you've always, you know what exactly. I'm saying? Exactly. And that's one of the things even about society we live in. I appreciate you saying that because that is real there are so many behaviors people engage in that they only do because well that's the way we've always done it yeah but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that need to be done better that need to be resolved where we can grow Mm -hmm. as individuals you know and if you only and going back to what you were saying about 11 hats to the ball that's another lesson i took forward and when you said no i want 11 people doing their assignments Mm -hmm. so Playing DN, I'd often have contain on my mm-hmm. side. That often would be my responsibility. And I feel like every time I just keep contain, they wouldn't run my way because I'm keeping contain. I'm where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So the ball would always go the other way, and they getting all the tackles. I got no stats, right? Mm-hmm. But they're not even coming my side, right? And as soon as I would just get so frustrated, like, no, I want to get in on the tackle. Mm-hmm. So I dive in too quickly. You feel me? Mm-hmm. I take a pursuit angle not the one i'm supposed to take in case they reverse but i take the pursuit angle because i want to get to the ball and make that right mm-hmm. almost damn near every time homeboy that's when they go reversing mm-hmm. you feel what i'm saying and i had to live that humiliation of you know like oh shoot that's where i'm supposed to be <laughs> like the ball is running where i'm supposed to be right now and again but but that set a precedent for me in life where at this point like even as it relates to what we are doing as department mm-hmm. hey i know my role Mm-hmm. And I'm so perfectly content to do my role. I don't necessarily need acknowledgement. I don't need accolades because the acknowledgement sometimes is ain't nobody over here talking to me, mm-hmm. which means what I'm supposed to do is addressed. And, you know, so I, you know, I just appreciate what you shared about that. That's deep, my brother. I'm about mm-hmm. to, hey, look, I'm about to walk away with that now, huh? Mm-hmm. I want I 11 to, people uh, today assignment. To oh, oh, now yeah, you're going to join us. Hey, Edwin's in the house. Edwin's Mr. Patrosi. <laughs> so, so go ahead. Talk to us. Not really adding to uh, what my uh, big man five-star champ said. <laughs> but, uh, blue, blue too. He got all the <laughs> nicknames, too. I ain't got the nicknames. 
as a martial artist and as a veteran, uh, uh, I study people. Right. Uh, the Art of War, Sun Tzu, uh, uh, Bruce Lee. He said what kind of you touched on. Basically, uh, basically in life, we use what we're given, what we're taught, and just like a fish, when we eat a fish, we discard the bone. We have to get rid of the things we don't use and add our own twist, and we'll work with that. So whatever that uh, we, you know, in military, you you you're probably military. Mm -hmm. In military, you're taught to do a lot of things just cause, just cause. Actually, in Air Force, there is an operation called Operations Just Cause. Uh, just they telling you like just yeah, cause we went to uh, we went to uh, South America and uh, we did, uh, you know uh, battling uh, one of these big uh, cartels or whatnot just cause we could do it. But uh, when you when you get out of the military, you're like uh, you know a lot of a lot of things they did. It shouldn't have been that way. Yeah, there are there were other ways to do it. There were better ways to do it, but. Right. You have that rank and structural thing that you can't question and whatnot. Because if everybody had their own opinion, then the mission would not get done. Right. So instead of doing the best thing, hey, we have a good thing going. Let's just get it uh, over with and done with and hope for the best. Because any action is better than no action. Okay. You know what I'm talking right, about? Right. Right. Bruce Lee said, "Use." Uh, uh, use what you can. I, I, I forgot the quote. Bruce Lee quotes. I always and discard what you don't use and add your own twist. Right, to it. right, right. So, hey, but the depth of what you just said—that's so crazy—is this. You ever grow up in our neighborhoods, right, in our community, and you'll see something that people do, and you'd be like, "That's ignorant," right? <laughs> so when I was younger, I might be walking up the street. And you see somebody doing something to someone else, whether it's bullying them, picking up on them, beating someone up, and you be like, "Hey, why? Why would you do that? Why are you? Because I can, just cause, right? Mm -hmm. So you just told me that's a premise in the military, too, right? <laughs> right? You get on your We go, yeah, we go run through this country just, just cause. cause. But and I appreciate you sharing that because that's part of the reality of our existence. I appreciate your blunt, blunt honesty with that, but also just the reality that. I appreciate at the same time you acknowledge that, hey, some, the military basically has to operate on the premise that you just follow orders. Because mm -hmm. if everybody exercised their opinion, that's almost like having a team in Adelaide. You ain't got no team. Because mm -hmm. you got 11 people on the same on, on their own page, mm -hmm. or you got a problem. But at the same time, okay, now I removed that, myself from that environment. I need to begin thinking for myself, is this, you know, appropriate? Is this thoughtful? Is this what I should be doing, you know? And that's, that's life lessons. Uh, down to I was thinking about that this morning, you know. Uh, when we talk about people are Democrats because their mother was a Democrat, yeah, their father yeah, was a Democrat. Yeah. They're Republican because their parents was a Republican. Yeah. Half the time they, they don't know what either one of them means, right. but they are because right. their parents were yeah. or somebody in their life were. And that's where I was getting to that point that we have to start evaluating things and identifying them and giving them our meaning. You know right. what? What is really right here? Is it right because somebody told me it was right, yeah. or is it yeah. right because I understand it, I've interpreted it, and it is the right thing? Right. And right. and I think if we start doing that in youth sports, whether that's from a coaching perspective, uh, or as they get older in high school and stuff, yeah. a, a student's perspective, are you doing this because it's the right thing? Or are you doing it because yeah. this is what you were told? Was right. 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 
hey, do you buy into something? So, okay, I got to use this one example that isn't really related to sports, but the subculture I come from in my community, not my entire community, mm-hmm. but the subculture. Um, sometimes, you know, and, and understandably so, but there are certain attitudes to law enforcement. And come on, please believe I'm not ignoring the reality of the injustices done to the people in my community, mm-hmm. right? Um, especially in recent times, especially that's been going on, that we've been trying to tell people goes on, but now that they see it on camera, they kind of dang near in disbelief. Mm-hmm. But some people still trying to make excuses, like, well, there must be something we didn't see or something, right? But even all that being said, sometimes I'll be talking with someone and they'll be like, uh, you know, saying something disparaging about just every law enforcement officer, like the one maybe standing over there. And I'd be like, you don't even know him, no. And they'd be like, yeah, it don't matter. He's no. At a certain point, my brother, I get it because I'm from this environment, right? Mm -hmm. At a certain point, it does matter, my brother, because everybody in law enforcement isn't necessarily this corrupt individual because homeboy, your cousin is in law enforcement (laughs) and he's still the homie. Mm -hmm. You feel what I'm saying? And he means you no harm. So we can adopt the attitude, but I I can't buy into it just because this is the status quo where I'm from. And if more people would do that, whether it's political parties. So what's so deep about what you're saying is this. People might have their opinions about it, but you know me, I damn near always stick my foot in my mouth if it's what I believe to be true. Mm-hmm. But recently I re-registered uh, as a voter and I just took away my political affiliation mm-hmm. because I'm just exhausted with how stupid that sounds. Mm-hmm. It sounds so... Now, what I didn't like about it is finding out that by removing myself from that situation... I lose some power in my ability to vote potentially at primaries and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So that part wasn't favorable. So I have to continue to think maybe I'll evolve, maybe I'll change again and go back and do it. But it just bothered me because of what you just said. Like people are so ignorant. Like you're not even, you don't even understand the basic fundamental tenets of your political party. Mm-hmm. It's just because your parents did it. That's always been part of your identity. So you're going to make an emotional defense for anything anyone in this political party does mm-hmm. rather than for you to question it based on the fact that you should question things. It's no different than religion. You know, exactly. I, you know I grew up in a religion where, forgive me, every single last one of you in this room other than me are destined to die. The good thing about it, hey, there's good news and bad news. The good news is the religion I taught didn't say you was go burn in hell, so you won't burn. Mm-hmm. You just won't be with me and the rest of the righteous people. You got what I'm saying? And there was a certain point at which I had, I have difficulty that my family still subscribes to that religion. Because I'm mm-hmm. like, hold on. You really think just by virtue of a religion that you, right? You know, my, my mother and her husband chose to be in a religion. My rest of my siblings, they were born into it. Mm-hmm. So you really think the odds is in your favor that you just happen to be born into the only true religion? For real? <laughs> you tell me what's the difference between that and other people who believe that I was born into the superior race. Exactly. So you ain't even got to do nothing to earn. Like, you don't have to have achieved status. You have a scribe status where just by virtue. So again, you know, I appreciate you sharing that because dang... Where won't people think for themselves and begin to question? And stop right? wearing free Johnny T-shirts. J- Johnny killed three people. Yeah. He don't need to be free. I don't care <laughs> if he's your cousin or not. He don't need to be yeah. free. He yeah. killed uh-huh. three people. So. He need to sit down and get his mind right. Yeah, but we wearing a T-shirt because it's what we do. It's our, the thing we do. Our cousin go to jail. Yeah. We want a free T-shirt. No, if yeah. he did wrong, no, he's not supposed to be free. Yeah, that's real life. I think a lot of it got to do with uh, the new millennials, social okay. media. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. As it pertains to a lot of stuff, because a lot of kids 
all on these different social networks and stuff, and they see this person doing that, so they think that that's right, and they hear this from their friend, and their friend think, you know what I'm saying? Right. And it's like it ties into sheep following the herd. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It ties. That ties into sports. The way how you live your regular lifestyle and how you how people pretend to be something that they not. You right. You know what I mean? Right. Real life. And I think that that's just, you know, something that's right now that's kind of like, you know affecting our culture affecting right. the communities because people these millennials are so yes millennials emotional. We, we are blaming you for everything <laughs> <laughs> hey look there, there were no problems on the <laughs> earth until you, <laughs> until you got here but you no know? like it's different right so when you just kind of going into the coaching with me and myself i was talking about this earlier to uh to my buddy and i was just saying like like, damn, you know what? Like, things are different. You know what I mean? Like, the way how I was coached, the way how you guys were coached mm-hmm. is, is different than how these kids need to be coached nowadays. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because back then, like, I, gr- I didn't really grow up off of love. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up off of, I grew up off survival. You know wow. what I'm saying? Like, I ain't have my dad. My dad was psychologically, he was gone. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So I relied on my coaches. I believed in the men that were around me and trying to, show me how to do this and do that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And some of that came with a lot of discipline in, 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 in different ways where I thought that that's how it was supposed to be, you know right, what I mean? Right, And now it's like, <clears throat> as you get older and you realize, like, you you know, a lot of things that you were taught, like we were talking about when you were young and the things that you adapted when you were young is not necessarily right. And it just kind of goes into this, this uh, what, what is it, this, this uh, cycle of, of uh, generational curses and stuff right. like mm-hmm. that, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like it, it, it's going to take for this new generation now to kind of change things, and it is changing, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, it is a challenge when it's like, damn, you know, I know this, you know what I mean? So I'm gonna try to give you this, but I may be giving it to you the wrong way, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like my yeah. intentions may be good, but I can't, I haven't got to that point where, you know, I know how to express a certain right, level right. of love and and, yeah. and and you know comfort and all right. the things that these kids need so that they can you know hey what y'all don't know is i think i think on the lolo gerald just said i think g bowman <laughs> just said hey my bad to all the kids who i was coaching <laughs> who, who i got on y'all next because y'all ain't take it serious and I just wanted y'all to understand the opportunity that was in front of y'all that's once in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I wanted you to seize the opportunity. Carpe Diem seized the day. Who was it? Uh, again, Chris Hayes. I don't know if I've given you credit for this statement before. He took it from someone else. I just don't know where it came from. He said the opportunity of a lifetime has to be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. And, you know, when certain coaches are as passionate as G. Bowman, who's, you know, uh, had the level of accomplishments he has, mm-hmm. you begin to become so grateful that you just want to make sure everyone else who should have that opportunity has it. But, you know, again, there's a lot of people kind of going back to the premise of today's discussion who you're not really seeing the, the benefits of youth athletics and sports in general. And even, and you know, and that to some degree also has to be attributed to parents who aren't really focused on the meaningful lessons um, that become part of your child's lifelong success and instead, you focused on things that at the end of the day are going to be the, the least meaningful things. I mean, you got your kid acting unruly, ce- celebrating a win in a travel team game when, 
dang, a couple of years down the line, nobody gonna remember that score, but you didn't just taught your kid how to be a poor sportsman. You're saying things to the detriment of other kids. So again, at the end of the day, you know, there's those of us out here who would really hope that people begin to focus on the, you know, the true lifelong lessons that you can walk away with from participating in athletics that can be life-changing. Hey, real quick, too, uh, before we wrap up, I just want to throw Javaris under the bus, man, because Javaris talked all about lesson he learned about nutrition and taking care of himself, showed up at my crib the other day with some some McDonald's bags. And, uh, McDonald's, hey, look, hey. That, was, that was a struggle meal. Hey, hey, <laughs> I hey. ain't going to lie. I said, look, I, I was in line. I was like, man, I'm somebody to chew me out. But you know what? I need this meal. <laughs> <laughs> this was so cold, though. People be getting, like, chicken nuggets from McDonald's, and then I be telling them, like, hey, you um, you might as well not really eat meat and stuff. And they be like, no, no, I had to eat meat. That's why I got the nuggets. And I be looking, like, thinking, like, nuggets ain't real <laughs> meat anyway. <laughs> yeah. Look, at least you know? I knew what I was eating. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, last words. Yes, sir. Profound. Close your eyes and imagine this. I've seen this this morning. Okay. Most profound thing I've seen. Close your eyes, people. Yeah, close your eyes and imagine this. Imagine a gentleman in a Ku Klux Klan outfit. Okay. So you know what he got on, right? Ku Klux Klan outfit. There was a young African-American male beside him in a hoodie. Right. Mm. The African male says to the Ku Klux Klan man, and tell me this again, you're, you're scared of my hood? Oh, wow. And although that pertains to life and, and what we're talking about, about you know, parents, you know, trying to hoorah their kids. And yeah. how was it when you were young? You know, like me, when I'm coaching, I think about what was my experience when I was a coach, and I, when I was a player, yeah. and that coach above me. And then a lot of times I'll sit and complain, just like Bowman saying, well, these kids this, these kids that. Trust me, when you were young and you were playing, those coaches were saying, these same kids thing, this. Yeah. They were saying the same thing. Right. So it, it's, yeah. a, it's an evolving thing. Right. What cannot change is the message or the the coach if back when i was coming up coaches didn't take mess from players right they didn't take it if you did wrong you didn't play right you know if you did real wrong you didn't even get on the team right and we're now because we're so induced with winning we we'll tend to let that bad player still be on the team because our objective is to win right it ain't it ain't to help this young man the the objective is to win and that's why i bring up this point about the hood and the hoodie our society is being taught that a young African-American male in a hoodie is dangerous. Right. Nah, society, recheck that. The original hoodies that were dangerous yeah. was on a Ku Klux Klan man. Right. And, and people died, many people died for that, than the black man in the hood. So, it, so if they understand that, you know, stop teaching something, pushing something that didn't apply to you, right. I, I think we'll get better. So I think these coaches have to understand, keep coaching the way you're supposed to. Coach with the uh, enthusiasm that you're trying to build a young man, not that you're trying to win. Or a young lady. Or, or right. young lady, yeah, right, youth right. sports. But not that you're trying to Not that win. you're just trying to win. You're trying to build character. You're right. trying to build morale, morale between these players. Yeah. If, if winning comes along with it, that's a great thing. Right. But that should not be your end game. Gotcha. So. Hey, and there you have it. And I'll let that be the last word as you go try to figure out what the hell? The Ku Klux Klan and the young brother. I like that. That's my man. Hey, you just witnessed a group of kings talking. Thank you for tuning in to King Talk. We'll talk to you later.